ABC produced podcast. Join us as we learn about what is happening in the world of research and innovation from the academics and thinkers who are making it happen. Our episodes take you straight to the people behind the work that is making an impact on the local, national and global scale. You'll hear what drives them, why their work matters and why it should matter to you too. In this episode of Wavelength, Associate Professor in Aquaculture Nick Paul explains how seaweed has become a powerful tool to improve the health of humans, animals and the planet. Nick tells USC media officer Julie Schomburg about how he's working to establish Queensland's first commercial seaweed farming industry in the state's Great Southeast, home to a perfect climate for this water-based plant to flourish. Nick, within six months of joining USC in January 2017, you'd won the Minute to Win It competition, where researchers had to present their work to an audience in less than 60 seconds. You were so enthusiastic and engaging when you talked to your topic, algae, good for you and good for the environment. Could you have guessed that two years later, you'd be developing ways to feed seaweeds to cows to stop them burping methane? Thanks, Julie. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to hear that, that summary of, uh, of the minutes win it, 60 seconds. It's quite hard to talk about anything in 60 seconds, so yes. it's nice to know that there was an impact uh, there. The, the link with the, the cows and the methane in seaweed, funnily enough, goes back uh, a number of years now. So okay. at, the, at the time when I first started working on, on seaweed as a student back in the late uh, 1990s, didn't know that we'd be feeding uh, seaweed to cows to knock out methane, but I was working on the same type of seaweed that we ended up finding was the one that was very special. So it all comes back around in full Yes, <laughs> and that seaweed's called? Asparagopsis. It's As- a red seaweed that we have off the coast here uh, of eastern Australia. Oh, wow. Um, and so can you tell us more about this research, um, which you're conducting both here at USC Sunshine Coast and at your Bribie Island Research Centre at Moreton Bay. So we're really fortunate to have access to the Bribie Island Research Centre. So that's a a Department of Agriculture and Fisheries uh, facility there that has this wonderful supply of super clean ocean water that's pumped uh, from the sea and through a whole lot of series of uh, tanks and um, cleaning uh, systems. And what we're able to do there is to culture up different types of seaweed that we can collect off the coast of Queensland and uh, scale it up to a level that you can actually feed to a cow or test in a particular application. So there are lots of different species out there. In fact, there's 10,000 species of seaweed around the world. So knowing which ones to work on Mm. is actually an exciting part of discovery in its own right. And then working out if you can scale them up and actually culture them to supply uh, that demand is the next uh, part of the coin. Mm, Fantastic. Um, And so with this, tell us a little bit more in detail about this research, how the seaweed is going to stop the cows burping methane and why this is important why should Australia try to reduce this output into the atmosphere no, it's a it's a really interesting angle right so um, there's for many uh, decades there's been a lot of anecdotal uh, information around the world about cattle 
coming down to the seaside and nibbling away on some oh, yes. seaweed that's washed up. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and farmers have noticed that over time and, and certainly commented on the cows being happy and healthy and the like. Some researchers in Canada around about 10 years ago started to look at whether or not eating uh, particular types of uh, seaweed might actually reduce the amount of methane that's being produced by the cows. So mm. the whole methane story for cows and, and other ruminants so um, animals that actually have a rumen that digests uh, all of the carbohydrates with the microbes. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that grazing is, animals? Yeah, mm-hmm. so basically all the ones that, that graze on that and need um, the, the microbes in their, their gut to break down those complex okay. um, polysaccharides in the, in the grass. Um, one of the things that happens is that there's some opportunistic bugs that are there that actually make methane. So the methane-producing bugs aren't actually that, um, aren't that important for the cow, and so they're, uh, actually getting rid of those can be a good thing for the cow. Mm-hmm. So people are interested in, oh, okay, so if we can feed particular types of seaweed, um, can we get the reductions? And they, they found some. So they found that certain uh, big brown kelps were reducing by a few percentage um, the amount of methane they produce and this is a big thing worldwide because um, a lot of the greenhouse gas emissions that we actually have come from agriculture. So yeah around the world. And uh, yeah, so if you can actually work out a way to reduce that amount of methane then the whole industry becomes much more sustainable. Mm -hmm. So that early research from Canada meant that other people started thinking, oh, well, what about our seaweed? So off the coast. So around about uh, five years ago, we uh, started to screen um, some of the the seaweeds that we have uh, here in Australia, uh, looking for different types of ones that might uh, knock out the methane. And uh, that was research that was led by the CSIRO and working with uh, Meat and Livestock Australia when I was actually at James Cook University. And we found one really special one, and it didn't just knock out a couple of percent, and it didn't just knock out 10%, it actually can knock out 99% of the methane production. So that was a really special um, application. And so that, of course, got a lot of interest Mm. Uh, around the world and uh, people talking about super seaweed uh, stopping uh, you know deflating uh, cows so the, the yes. thing is that it's actually yeah it's 95 percent burping at the front end and five percent at the other end much to the disgust of kids who like it the other way around now <laughs> um, this this one your this research project is one of a clump of research projects you're working on to do with seaweed um, both in here and around the islands of the Indo-Pacific region, uh, northwest of Australia. So first, can you tell us what's, what else is bubbling away here at your Moreton Bay facility um, in the lab dishes and those big outdoor saltwater tanks that you have there? Yeah, so those those tanks are, are wonderful. Very therapeutic too, by the way. So it's mm. a lovely thing. Uh, what a feature. Having it all moving around and uh, and handling it. It's, um, so seaweed across the Pacific Islands and Southeast Asia is just a cultural norm. Uh, people mm-hmm. eat seaweed regularly, you know, every day sometimes. Uh, and, and that's actually the most uh, wide, widely sort of used application for it is in food. And so most of the seaweed that is produced around the world is actually farmed mm-hmm. in Asia. Uh, and it's used for food, so dried things like nori and um, other seaweeds that you use in soups like wakame and, and the like. Yes. And then also another big industry around extracting some of the gels from seaweed which are then used as thickeners in food products and other types of products so they're the the big angles um 
in the Indo-Pacific and a lot of the, the work that I've been doing there is actually working with um, villages at that scale where the seaweed is actually produced. So in somewhere like Indonesia, there's actually more than well, uh, 100,000 odd uh, farmers who are farming seaweed and producing 10 million tonnes of seaweed a year. So it's mm. a huge industry. Mm. It's really sort of big business as well at the same time as going right down to the village scale. So one of the, the projects there with which is funded by uh, the Australian Centre for International Agriculture Research is what, what we sort of do is work on how do we maximise the amount that the farmers can produce and yes. from a, like the actual culture side, but then also work out, oh, what's the best value for their seaweed that they can uh, get? So can we make new products and the like? So I really like both both angles is what can we grow and how fast does it grow, but then yeah. also what can it be used for and how, how do we get the most benefit, whether it's economic or society or environmental benefit out of it. Yes. So that's the Indo-Pacific project. Yeah. yeah? Mm. And how does that connect back to what other projects you've got on... The, on the bubble, on the boil at uh, Bribie Island. Yeah, so that all of that work uh, over the last uh, five to ten years in the Pacific has really opened my eyes to what we can do mm-hmm. here. So then you come back to Australia, of course, and you realise that seaweed is not um, part of our sort of normal uh, food that we consume on a day-to-day basis. Yes. Uh, there are things that are opening that door like sushi and people of course know that nori which is the wrapper around sushi is actually a a seaweed it's a red seaweed that's uh, mostly farmed in korea Um, but we don't have any uh, australian versions of that now but we're interested in working out how uh, we might be able to create new snacks or new opportunities around that so and to do that you need to have the the product so sorry the seaweed yeah and is that um, what you were calling functional food and nutraceuticals? Yeah, so functional food is, is that sort of idea that if you eat a particular thing, then you're going to get um, the nutrients uh, that yeah. are in it. So rather than extracting those out, whether it's, say, fish oil or other types of um, micronutrients or minerals, it's actually eating that whole food, the seaweed, to provide all those different types of things. So mm-hmm. with seaweeds, uh, they're mostly they're pretty much either um, dominated by minerals and uh, there's carbohydrates, so the complex polysaccharides, the fibre, as we would call it. Mm. And so those two things, when you're eating seaweed, that's what you're getting. You're getting fibre and you're getting a whole lot of minerals that have been pre-filtered by the seaweed to actually pull out the good salts, so the potassium, magnesium, iron, zinc, um, and then and excluding the sodium. So those two angles are really quite important from a health point of view. Mm. And so that's natural benefits for human health from seaweed yeah absolutely and uh we've done a lot of uh, work now uh, working with colleagues who are pharmacologists uh, at the university of southern queensland the same group uh, professor lindsay brown there who works on uh the queen garnet plum and other other purple foods actually looking at oh can we use seaweed in that um uh, in place of those other types of food stuff and the, the reality is that the seaweed provides a lot of benefit, overall health benefit, uh, in these animal model tests that they've been doing with rats. And so the nutrients that are in and the dietary benefits for humans in seaweed, these can also be beneficial for fish in aquaculture. Is that another project you've got happening? Yeah, so one of the interesting things is that in this day and age, we're looking at how do we uh, produce any livestock, so including Mm -hmm. fish, in a sustainable way and naturally. And so 
up until recently there's been a lot of um, uh, sort of interest in terms of finding alternatives to using antibiotics in uh, aquaculture production of fish and and crustaceans uh, and there's people looking at different ways that you can uh, do the farming but then there's actually an alternative where if you're using particular types of um, an additive like a seaweed you can actually boost the immune system of the fish so that they uh, can fight off disease so naturally mm, and so makes that, them stronger yeah exactly so I, I compare it to it's like uh, when your parents in the old days used to tell you to eat your greens and these yes. types of things so there's some merit to that <laughs> Uh, speaking of things that are good for you, I think there's one rather quirky product you might have left out, uh, though I'm not sure about the health benefits. Can you please tell us about this year's seaweed beer? Oh, yes. How that came about? Oh, well, that was... Uh, it's the, the nice thing about being recognised as being one of the, the seaweed people in, in Australia is that it does give you some attention. And so our uh, friends down at Newstead Brewery were quite keen to make a seaweed beer when there was an announcement from the Royal Queensland Beer and Wine uh, Society about the competition to use desalinated water to make beer so i think it went out to hundreds of brewers who um, actually wanted to to make different types of beer and uh, newster decided well if you're taking all the salt out we want to add the salt back into the water which is good salts again Mm -hmm. um through the seaweed so they um they came up with a a brew that was uh, called a morton bay goza style beer where they used the seaweed which had been steeped um so fresh freshly harvested seaweed from our brabi Island Research Centre facility there. Uh, it's collected, it's steeped overnight and got the, the mineral um, flavours out and the salty flavours out of the seaweed and then that was used in the ah, brewing process. So it's like a, making a soup out of seaweed yeah, and then using that. Exactly. And so and then the actual the, the, the seaweed itself wasn't actually put into the beer but all those flavours were infused into it. Yes. And it really did you if you cracked it open it smelt like the sea. little waffle. Oh really? Fruit, but like a, a really light, light salty sort of uh, I'll call it a sea spray so a delightful uh, one oh, and with the advent or the popularity growing of craft beers how do you think this is going to go <laughs> you'd be yeah not surprised to, to learn that uh, everyone's very interested to, to hear more about it and uh, I think with that we're the fact that it's just one of 10,000 species we've got a lot of beers to go to work out <laughs> which ones could be used uh, now so you're one of those researchers, Nick, as we can tell, that always seems to be smiling and really enjoying your work. Uh, is it fair to say you're obsessed with seaweed? And when did this obsession start? Yeah, it's people ask me that all the time. And I think it actually it came from... I, I grew up in Sydney on the northern beaches there mm-hmm. at a place called Avalon. And I was surfing from the moment I, I can remember. And always when you're surfing around all the rocks, uh, the rock platforms and reefs, there's always seaweed there. So I always remember lots of different seaweeds floating around and, and looking at them. But I have to admit that when I wanted to be a marine uh, scientist back in the day, I was more thinking of big animals like sharks and whales <laughs> and, and 
and dolphins, but uh, at university in Sydney that I went to, the University of New South Wales, uh, there were experts there who were working on seaweed. And seaweed can be cool. This may, may come as a surprise, but they do, um, because they're stuck there, they're stuck on a rock, they have to come up with pretty innovative ways to look after themselves. And one of that is to actually produce some chemicals um, that stop fish from eating them and stop bacteria from settling on their surface. Oh. And so my real interest spawned from that is that how are these seaweeds actually defending themselves uh, in nature and then the commercial applications that come from that is that can we actually get um, bioactive compounds so and like, things that are antibiotic from the seaweed or or the or chemicals that can be used in other applications and that wow. came full circle then with the cow and the methane story yes. is that it's those same compounds that the seaweeds are naturally using for their own benefit in nature, those same compounds are what are actually helping the cow and the, um, the rumen and to take out the methane-producing microbes. Oh, that's incredible. Mm. Mm. Um, you're, you're a biologist with a PhD in algae science, so you can call yourself a phycologist. Is that right? That's correct. Phycologist. So it's P H Y. Clear with the you know, pronunciation. Yes. Sorry. People do want to say psychologist. All the time. <laughs> uh, and what exactly is it about these humble red, green, pink, brown, stringy saltwater plants that interests you so much, other than what you've just told us about when you first started surfing and discovered their defensive? Is it, would you call it defensive properties or yeah. mechanism? Um, yeah. What are a few fun facts that you enjoy about seaweed that you've learned? I just love the, the diversity of it. Mm. One of the things that you see when you're off the, the coast is all these different species at different times of the year. There's uh, fish, of course, that live uh, around them and, and feed on them. There's all these teeny tiny little animals, whether they're ones that people are interested in, like abalone or rock lobsters, as well as little... Um, amphipods and tiny crustaceans that Mm. pretty much live on these seaweed hotels so there's all these really fundamentally interesting things about the natural side but then there's these wonderful applications where people are looking at it and going oh seaweed can be turned into food it can be made into these um, products that might help us for um, mitigating climate change for the methane reduction but the actual act of growing the seaweed is also beneficial in terms of that seaweeds naturally strip out nutrients um, from the water. So close to our cities, there's a, an excess in nutrients that go into the water. And so that seaweeds, when you farm them, actually pull out the nitrogen and pull out the phosphorus. They also pull out the carbon dioxide that's in the surface layer. So it's this sort of wonderful whole package where you've got an environmentally mm. um, beneficial farming method that has uh, um, economic viability. So and that's really important for me is that in order to be sustainable it has to actually be um, financially viable to make things work and I really like that combination where you can work on something that matters for the environment but can also have um, an economic benefit so that you can get the investment you can do things at that scale and is that the future for your research? Absolutely. So mm. now it's about finding the right 
um, context, the right place, the right interest to, to farm seaweed and to actually start to work out systems and, and processes in, in place so that we can do it here in Australia, of course, but probably more importantly, we can take that technology back out to other countries who also want to scale it up and, and even better if that links in with uh, whether it's Pacific Islands or other places in Southeast Asia where there's a really um, important benefit that can be had for society as well. Yes, and is this a convenient location from from where to do this research, considering yeah. the Sunshine Coast? Absolutely, it's like the Goldilocks sort of space. It's not too hot and not too cold. There's enough sunlight all year round, and those things nice. are actually quite important to be able to, to justify that type of investment. So, and the, and the great thing is so many people are interested in it. So many people uh, want to be involved in farming seaweed. So many people want to use seaweed So, uh, in new applications, whether it's for their health products or um, in, in animal feeds and these types of things. So I, I love that, and it's such a great opportunity for us where we're placed here on the Sunshine Coast, but for us to have global impact as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you very much to Associate Professor Paul. Thanks, George. For listening to USC's podcast Wavelength. If you want to know more about what is happening at USC, visit usc.edu.au and stay on our Wavelength by subscribing or following the podcast on iTunes, Spotify or Google Play. And remember to leave us feedback on what you thought of this episode or what you'd be interested in learning about next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>